Welcome to the Range Project Podcast. This is Chris McGrory, and I'm currently a senior at Harvard on the baseball team studying psychology and economics. And usually I'm talking with one of the amazing people around me at school and trying to learn what they do and how they do it. But today is a little different. It's just me on the mic riffing on what is known as the 80-20 principle. And after hearing references to the idea, also known as Pareto's Law, for literally years now, and reading books like Tim Ferriss' 4-Hour Workweek, and even James Clear's Atomic Habits that have this principle, like, baked into its message, I figured it was time to pick up the original text. And by that, I mean listen to the audiobooks. So... In his book, The 80-20 Principle, Richard Koch, that's K-O-C-H, breaks down the principle as follows. The minority of our time, effort, and inputs, about 20%, are responsible for the majority of our results, rewards, and outputs. And although that sounds dry, and it did admittedly start as a framework to boost business and personal efficiency, It has interesting applications to our personal lives, which at the moment I'm most interested in as I start thinking about how I want to organize my life post-graduation. So in this podcast, I want to synthesize the major concepts for my own understanding and then share those ideas with you for your benefit. Plus, I really want to capture my thoughts and reflect on where this concept can be applied in my own life. And recording a podcast seemed to be the best way to commit to doing that. So, in proper 80-20 fashion, listening to this will definitely be less than 20% of the effort it takes to read the book, and I hope will give you 80% of the benefit. Like I said, the 80-20 principle basically means that 80% of effects come from 20% of the causes. For a business, this means that 80% of sales comes from 20% of products. For a YouTuber, this means 80% of their views will come from 20% of their videos. And for you and me, this means 80% of our happiness occurs in 20% of our time. Now, the specific numbers, those don't really matter. It doesn't have to be 80-20 and they don't need to add to 100. All that matters is it is not perfectly linear, like 50-50 or 40-40, which would say 40% of inputs are responsible for 40% of outputs. So basically, it's saying the world is unbalanced. Only a few of the decisions we make and activities we engage in really matter. But since the world is unbalanced, they have big consequences. And once we recognize this, We can use it to our advantage by simplifying our lives to what is essential. And the easiest way to get there is to obviously cut out what isn't in your top 20%, right? So some common time sinks are things others want you to do, things that 
have always been done this way. Think meetings that always last an hour on the dot for no reason. Things that you don't enjoy doing. Obviously, that's a time sink. Things that get interrupted. Things that nobody else is interested. Things with predictable cycles. And I'll add one, answering emails. Now, here are some of the top uses of time Kosh recommends thinking about. Things that advance your overall purpose in life. That's obviously pretty big, and I've definitely yet to articulate my purpose in life, but I do have a life philosophy, and that's to live in the present moment to grow and connect. And funny enough, that aligns with a lot of, if not all, my top 20% activities. So, good stuff, Richard. And another is things you have always wanted to do. Another is doing things others tell you can't be done, like proving them wrong. And I personally gravitate towards proving others right, but okay, I think it works both ways. Another is things that use your creativity. I think this can expand to things that only you can do or are uniquely yours. Things with top quality collaborators and things that are now or never. So together, cutting the sinks and maximizing the top uses of time reprioritize us towards what gives us the best bang for the buck and ultimately focusing our limited effort on what is important to us. And I felt like Kosh in his wonderful British accent was talking directly to me when he said, you shouldn't try to do more in a day if you haven't thought about and organized your life to maximize the 20%. So like, wow. So I have to rewire my brain to recognize the fact that more effort is not always better. This is tough because doing like quote unquote doing more, looking productive, grinding in the gym, in the library, those all get rewarded socially. But those are just proxies for what we actually, what we're actually striving for right? We don't want to do more. We want to do more of what we want. We don't want to work out for two hours. We want to get strong and look good and feel good. And we definitely don't want to study for hours. We just want to get smarter, right? So even productivity hacks and time management techniques that I have gravitated towards don't mean anything if the thing I'm spending time on isn't rewarding. Instead, I need to be strategically lazy and double down on the top 20% of activities. So this all made intuitive sense and was fun to hear, but the task now became setting aside some time to reflect on what that quote-unquote 20% is for me. To do so, the book recommends finding and eventually growing your happiness islands. Those are the short periods of time that contribute a disproportionate amount to your happiness. But how do you do this in practice? So Tim Ferriss goes through his Google Calendar with two columns, positive and negative. He writes down all the activities he did and then decides which ones were most enjoyable, highlights common themes like travel or learning something new, and then commits to putting them on his calendar going forward. And this didn't really work for me. Instead, 
in reflecting on what makes up my 20% activities, I realized that my best ideas came when lying down before sleep and letting my mind run wild. Now, that's obviously not ideal, so I tried to recreate that experience. Lying down in a hammock with a pen and paper and nothing else. And what do you know, I came up with 80% of the ideas I'm writing down now in maybe 30 minutes. Some people have ideas strike on long walks. Some people have shower thoughts. I guess I have my best and most creative thoughts lying down and doing nothing. So before we get to personal life enhancement, let me get productivity out of the way. I figure that 90% of my schoolwork gets done in the window of time before lunch. That's a third of my day responsible for almost all of my output. I need to clear distractions in this block of time and it's ridiculous for me to think I should try to get important work done outside of that window. I had always known this about me, but I didn't have the framework to understand just how important it is in like percentage terms to work smarter and not harder. Now, let's think about the podcast. I'm 20 episodes in right now, which is crazy, and I've really loved beginning to learn the art of interviewing and connecting with new people on a level I just personally don't get enough of. But I don't love all aspects of it. I think 80% of the joy I get from podcasting comes from about like 40% of the time I spend on it. I love the conversation. Actually, I love the edits because it's when I get to relive the experience and feel like I reflect on what my guest said. And finally, I love hitting publish. Surprisingly, those parts take relatively little time. So what makes up the other time? Finding and reaching out to guests. Researching guest backgrounds, which is interesting and kind of fun, but I think I give way too much time for it. And then all of the time on the back end, writing up the show notes, debating myself over which sound clip to use for Instagram, my God, building the image with the audio, and finally writing up the Instagram post. Ideally, and what the book recommends to do, I would delegate or outsource these tasks. Since this is a one-man show, that's not entirely feasible right now. But in recognizing this imbalance between time and joy, I have a few options. I could eliminate some of these parts altogether, or I could gently force myself to just spend less time on them. Because at the end of the day, I'm doing this because I want to, right? So what else did I investigate? A big one in the book is relationships. The hypothesis is that 80% of the value of relationships come from 20% of people. And it follows that we don't spend enough time in these top relationships. Now, I've always been geared towards keeping a tight circle. But after reflecting, I can think of nights pre-pandemic spent hanging with people outside of my top 20%. And this just doesn't make sense. I think in the past 12 months, the added friction against connecting with people has revealed to me who I actually enjoy spending time with. Like the book recommends, I actually wrote out my top 20 relationships, ranked them by importance, 
then allocated 100 points of importance across all 20. Then, in another column, I listed the actual amount of time I spent with each. And I learned a lesson. Like, damn, I was not spending proportionately enough time with my parents for just how important they are. And that realization changed my behavior. And in these top relationships with friends my own age, I realized a few themes. They combine some things. And it's not just a lot of laughs, but it's also deep discussions on real feelings. So I started thinking, how can I cultivate more of these moments? Now, the last big-ish topic I want to talk about is achievement. I'm trying to convince myself you don't have to be good at everything. In fact, that's a fast track to failure. I'm also on a search to find what I enjoy more than others, what I do better than others, and what I find easy to do. Now, some combination of these is the not-so-secret sauce to achievement, the book outlines. So, what do I enjoy more than others? Deep conversations, podcasts, shocker, reading about psychology and philosophy and other topics, and then trying to articulate it to anyone who will listen. Now, what do I think I do better than others? I'm not sure. Connecting with people, asking questions. Now, maybe it's just because these come easier to me. But the point is, the 80-20 way to achievement is to repeat the behaviors that led to the majority of your past achievements, right? And some other things that I thought about in my quote-unquote 20% bucket for happiness, number one is exercise. Literally 30 to 90 minutes changed the whole course of my day. That's around 10% of my waking hours. So when life gets busy, protect this sacred time at all costs. Time outdoors. Spending an hour on a walk outside or just sitting in the sun also changes the entire course of my day. Phone apps. I have dozens, but can count on maybe two hands how many like actually add value to my life. The rest are just noise. And finally, things. I only bring less than 20% of my clothes and possessions with me to school and I might even say they bring 95% of my well-being. So with that said, clothes and possessions are an obvious and easy place to start with the 80-20 for you. Now, that's all I got. I'm guessing that 80-20 will be even more important once the rhythm of my life changes in the working world. I'm going to spend money on things. Now that better be on the few things that are most useful. Cut the rest. I'm going to be working traditional hours for the first time in my life. So let's make sure I'm spending the most time on the most important 20% of my job, right? And I'm going to be meeting new people. I'll have to remember, the minority of relationships will give me the majority of my joy. So allocate accordingly, and so on. And while this is by no means an exhaustive 80-20 analysis of my life, I'm glad I did it because it got me thinking in a new way. 
And first, I hope it did the same for you and you learned something. And second, and selfishly, I hope I carry this way of thinking with me as I try to live both simply and happily. Hey, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that one. As always, you can find links to everything we discussed, show notes, and a lot more goodies like my favorite reads on my website at chrismcgrory.net. That's C-H-R-I-S-M-C-G-R-O-R-Y dot net. Thanks so much and see you next time.